Welcome everybody back to Hashtag Voice of the City. This is episode three and we have a very special guest, LaShawn Amato. And as always, we also have Israel. Hey, what's up? So uh, LaShawn, can you uh, can you kind of tell us, introduce yourself, introduce yourself to the audience? Absolutely. First off, thank you guys for having me. Um, again, my name is LaShawn Amato. I am from Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, I went to a program called Youth Build. Uh, some of you may know about it. I know they have a great Youth Build program in Denver at Baja Youth Corps. Um, but I was a young person looking for a second chance. Um, the program took a chance on me, wrapped some support around me, some caring adults. Um, they sent me off to college and positioned me to be um, in the leadership role that I play today with Opportunity Youth United. That's that's amazing. And can you tell me a little bit more about Opportunity Youth United? For sure. So Opportunity Youth United is a national movement of Opportunity Youth and their adult allies who are looking to end poverty in this country and create opportunity for young people. And that's an opportunity for jobs, education, entrepreneurship, and the list goes on. And again, primarily for Opportunity Youth, uh, and some folks may or may not know the term, uh, but just in case they don't, that's young people who are out of school or out of work in between the ages of 16 and 24. Essentially, we like to say young people who have been disconnected and have been left behind. We work to empower those young people through civic engagement so that they can be leaders to create opportunity and change in their backyard. Uh, so, you know, we do that on the national level. We have a national council with 20 um, young leaders that represent about 16 national organizations. And again, they advocate at the federal level uh, for increased dollars for our communities. And now we are we have organized 17 local, excuse me, local chapters. And Denver is one of our newest. Uh, and with those young people are going after at the local level for increased dollars for opportunities again in their own backyard. Uh, so again, it's just a, it's about um, educating and empowering people to be at the forefront of the change in their community. Yo, that's really, that's amazing. That's fantastic, I think. It's really cool to know that it's people out there working to try and help the youth and, you know, set them up with the best possible path of success. That's really great work that you guys do. And I know, Israel, you have worked with Opportunity Youth United as well, right? Yes, um, I actually got to meet them as I spoke a little bit on the last episode in Aspen and also where I met LaShawn. And, uh, you know, seeing the work that he did and engaging with the young people was really uh for me to come back and bring that work back to Denver. Yeah, super cool. Yeah. Um, I wanted to chime in on that um, because um, I think Israel was played a very important role in OIU coming to the Denver community. I mean, he was the reason why, if you ask me, he was very um, persistent. Anytime he see me and asked him, like, you know, LaShawn, we gotta get something going in Denver. <laughs> and he, he kept at it. and. You know, this year, I think about a month or two ago, we finally signed the agreement, and now we have the privilege of working uh, with, with the community. But I just want to give a, a lot of kudos to, uh, to Israel for really being a strong advocate for his community and his fans. Yeah, man, definitely. Huge shout-out to both of you guys. Coming to Denver, I don't know, it's just really cool that you guys are putting on for the city and giving us the opportunity to show our voice and show you guys what we could do. And um, actually from that, uh, with the leadership program, that's where he came out of. Yeah, definitely. I was involved with the 
DYLA, Denver Youth Leadership Academy. This is a great experience. You know, it's a lot of young leaders out here that just need the little extra boost of, uh, you know, guidance to push them to that full-on leadership role. And I know that it's a lot of potential here in Denver. And I can't just, I just can't wait to see what the coming years has for our city and state because we're making so much progress within the city now. I could only imagine in like 2020, 2021, how much youth there is going to be involved in the city and whatnot. And I would like to add on that, just like you said, um, you know, it takes a lot to get folks to really step into that leadership path. Uh, and what we found in our work is that it's, it's sort of a sequence. Um, and I think that's what the magic of OIU is, is that we're not only just looking to have youth get civically engaged, because quite frankly, if young people don't have somewhere to rest their head or they don't know where the next meal is coming from, they they honestly don't care about being a leader or right. saving the uh-huh. community, right? Because they're trying to save themselves. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the magic of OIU is that we have, um, I mentioned earlier that it's a movement of young people and adult allies. Um, so we have an intergenerational approach and we have a, a host of um, organizations um, and communities uh, and that have national presence who are supporting young people, connecting young people to jobs, to education every day. And then once they get that opportunity, that's when we challenge them to pay it forward and, again, mm-hmm. become leaders in the community to, one, not only ensure that the opportunities are available for those that come behind them, but that we create more. Because as we know, sometimes in youth programs, we're turning away, uh, you know, we have young people lining up around the doors and then they have to turn away about 40 kids, you know? And when that young person is looking for that opportunity, that's a very sensitive moment because it's sort of like a make or break. If they go to a program, you know, and they get turned away again, you know, it's a a devastating experience for some. So we want to ensure that anyone who's seeking that opportunity has it and, you know, that's not a debate. Now, it is true that everyone's not ready, (laughs) you know, and everyone becomes ready at different times. But anyone who is ready, when they seek that opportunity, we want to make sure that it's available. And sorry for uh, going off on that tangent. No, no, you're fine. I couldn't have said any better. I mean, I agree with every point that you made. That was really powerful and impactful. This kind of brings me to my uh, next question, kind of statement as well. I've seen you have a TED Talk. Can you guys, can you uh, kind of explain to the audience um, how you got the opportunity to make a TED Talk and um, how that whole experience really was? Yeah, so I'll be transparent with you guys. When I got asked to do the TED Talk, I didn't even know what a TED Talk was. <laughs> I just got this email. <laughs> I just got this email saying, congratulations, you're going to be part of this TED event, uh, and so on and so forth. And I was like, woohoo, this is great, <laughs> but what is TEDx? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but 
with public speaking, I just think that it definitely it takes with anything, with any skill, it takes a lot of practice, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So when I came up to youth building because I was so successful, they started to call on me to speak at different events. Um, and so now you'll see I'm at, uh, you know, national conferences, you know, moderating, facilitating plenaries, breakout sessions, you know, doing TEDx uh, and all these things. But it, t- it took a process to get me to that point, right? Yeah. Um, and specifically for the TEDx, I, previous to going, before I got the opportunity, I was at an um, a, a international conference called the Skull World Forum. And it was in England. Um, and I was given an opportunity to attend their Emerging Leaders program. As part of that program, they did sort of like a, a storytelling workshop. And they, ta- and they taught us, like, essentially how to tell your story for impact. Hmm. Um, so I was fortunate to go through this experience. And again, I was up all night in England, pacing in my room. <laughs> to, so even though it was like a practicing, I took it serious. You know, I was like, I got to memorize this speech. <laughs> and then... I got to deliver it in front of, you know, this international audience. It was a very small, intimate audience. It was an international audience. My CEO and founder was in the room. Um, she got to witness it as well. Um, and I guess I did such a good job that she said she wanted other people to hear that, 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 um, <laughs> the um, story that I put together, right? Um, so I think that was the reason that, that I got nominated to, to do the TEDx. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but I mean, kind of what I'm getting is, do you have any practical tips for the youth? I heard practicing, like you said, taking it serious. You were pacing up and down in the halls. You was like really taking the public speaking serious. But for a lot of uh, the youth and not some of them, they're great at public speaking and some of them they're not. Do you have any practical advice to give to all of them that could kind of step up their public speaking game, whether that be confidence or practice? Yes, um, I got a few more. One... Always prep, prep is key because you you know you feel prep it just it just helps release some of those those uh, those nerves right yeah and and prep is not trying to read a speech off of a piece of paper right and trying to memorize every word uh, because that that takes away delivering a speech is an art and if you're looking down at the paper the whole time the audience is not going to feel you they might they might hear you but they're not going to feel you so you want to you know internalize that speech right. Um, yeah. And then, so that's one thing. Make mm-hmm. those bullet points. You know what I mean? Uh, Definitely helps. That's the first thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Second, it's weird, but I disassociate, right? So okay. when you realize that in reality, in reality, you're the expert, which is why you're on stage anyway. So everyone's already admiring you. So, you know, everyone's just, just open. So you just need to accept that. Yeah, I like Two, that idea. <laughs> Two, I just assume half the people are on their phones and not paying attention anyway. They're just here because they've been told to be here, right? <laughs> yeah. It may not be true, but this is how I rationalize in my brain. And three, I just, when I say disassociate, like I'm looking at the crowd, but my mind is like <laughs> in a galaxy, right? Yeah. And when I say, when it, it's like, and I hate to, you know, bring it up, but the higher power. I give a lot of credit to the higher power when I do these, these these speeches because, you know, like I said, my mind goes away and then it just flows. It just you know flows. I feel that. And I just trust. You know, I, I believe in the heart. When it comes from the heart, there's no preparation for that. You know what I mean? Um, mm. So when you're confident that you know what you're talking about, 
And you at least have a little bit preps to at least know what at least I want to hit these three points. Yeah. A lot of it just flows. I never go according to a speech, even though I did one before this. You know, I'm pushing around my room right now, not even looking at my screen. You know what I mean? Because y'all got me. You Definitely know, pumped. It comes natural. <laughs> it just comes naturally. I feel that. It's, it's really hard to describe. But I kind of want to ask Israel, too, as well, because I know you've done some public speaking. Do you have um, any experiences or tips you'd like to give the audience as well? Um, I would say I would agree with LaShawn on disassociating yourself. So kind of like having it out of sight, out of mind, mm -hmm. you know, so you're physically there and you're the expert at the end of the day and you're the one sharing the information. So if you come in with no confidence, the audience will be able to see that, you know, and they will be like, what is this dude talking about? You know, mm -hmm. you don't have no topics, but if you stay engaged and, you know, even throw a little bit of jokes in there, a little bit of puns and, you mm -hmm. know, get the people associated and you'll, you'll really start to get a connection with the crowd. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to public speaking, I can't stress enough how powerful it is. When you come into a room and you have everybody's attention, you really have the power to sway their thoughts and just uh, give a really great message. And with prep and confidence, you're really unstoppable when it comes to public speaking. Yeah, and I think I wanted to add on that too. I just think being, in addition to the confidence, just being confident and being assured of being your true self. Some people, they want to come up polished, or they want to come up, they want to use the big words, you know what I mean? They want to come across a bit. But I found effective, like, I can only be me. So, <laughs> you know, like you said, I'm the expert. Take me as I am. So, like I said, just, you know, be your full self and speak how you would speak. No, obviously, you don't want to be in there like, yo, what's good, dog? You know what I mean? You don't want to be playing. You want to come correct. But that is true. Bring, bring, it, bring your full presence to the room. And I think. I think that, that might, oh, one thing I want to say on the confidence, some people can get on stage and not know anything that they're talking about, but because they're speaking so confidently, people are just nodding their heads. And I've seen this mm -hmm. happen before. Like these people are saying this is like the wrong information. They're just saying things to confuse the audience. It's just, mm -hmm. just so you assume that they're smart, you know what I mean? Yes. So I've been in places where I just thought, oh my God, like what is this person talking about? Because they were confident and they were, you know, holding that mic and pitching that said people were like shaking their heads, you know what I mean? Uh-huh, that reminds me of something my teacher said in college is like baffle them with BS or startle, startle them with amazement. It, mm. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's funny, it's funny, but it's true. If you have the confidence, you could really just take it anywhere and the audience will follow along and be in tune. But I have a question for you, uh, Israel and you, LaShawn, um, it kind of I know you guys do a lot of work in the city a lot of civic work So this is my next question. What is civic engagement? I would say for me is um, The way you work with the community, you know what I mean and Getting the people in the community involved what's going on with the conversations in politics and Just in general, you know engaging with the community you come from as for me when I first got involved in this work and started doing civic engagement I worked with a nonprofit called uh, Youth on Record, and I felt my civic engagement was me using my voice and my poetry to spread in the communities, you know, and perform for in front of other young people and using that voice and actually like giving me strength because before, if you would have talked to Israel six years ago, five years ago, he probably would have not have, you know, been this energized and this excited about a cause. But me working with that organization and finding my power. Uh, got me engaged in the community. 
And then for you, LaShawn, what does civic engagement mean to you? Yeah, so thank you, um, Israel, uh, for that. Um, I just I see it simply as doing what needs to get done to have a healthy community. You know what I mean? Um, seeing a problem and, and having a solution. Um, and that takes different forms, right? Because, like, for instance, this year, we're focused a lot on voter registration, right? Uh, and that's good, but that's yeah, not the only way to be civically engaged, right? It can go, it can be through the arts, right? It yeah. can be through just basically educating people, um, or you know, marching, or you know, going to the town hall, but doing whatever needs to get done to solve the issue that the community cares about, right? Um, but the challenge right now is that a lot of the communities that we come from, because we've been the positive civic education, I mean, I would argue that we've been sort of denied basic education in some communities, never mind a civic education. True. Um, and because of that, when issues are, come up in our communities, we it's not that we don't want to do anything about it, we don't know what to do. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We haven't been prepped um, time and the institutions again that we our first responders like the police or these different things or the or, or the justice system um, we feel are against us so we feel helpless so we feel the need to police ourselves or to just deal with whatever you know happens so that's uh -huh. why you see homicides no one wants to cooperate or you know everybody got flat in the community because no one knows what to do about this huge pothole. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Definitely. So it's like it's simple, like simple things like that that can lead all up, all up into homicide in the community. That folks just just generally don't know where to turn. So we're trying to um, empower folks to learn to, to to turn to each other, right? And mm -hmm. not to always just depend on these institutions to say, but yeah, we need them, but we also need to hold them accountable. But we also need to learn how to support and hold ourselves accountable as well. And again, that takes different forms, um, but I think that's my long spiel on that. And so would you say um, lack of awareness and kind of, but at the same time with that lack of awareness, finding a way to educate our people and, uh, you know, bringing those conversations to the table. And that's why I appreciate the work that you do and the things that, you know, teaching our community is to, you know, really get out there and be the boots on the ground. Yes, I appreciate that. And I would like to give an example of like the power of the education because like for instance, I'm from Boston and anytime I tell someone I'm from Boston, they just think Harvard, they think MIT, they just think we live in this la la land, right? Yeah, like, it's a lot of negative stigmas. Like, no. Yeah, you know what I mean? But if you move into the city of Boston, for instance, we're approaching our fiftieth homicide this year, right? And a lot mm -hmm. of times we don't know about it. Um, it's not really highly publicized, but again, they're trying to protect this, this, this image of Boston. But there's this one uh, community group that every time someone gets shot in the community, they post it on Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. Every single every single incident, they post it in on Facebook. So now the community is aware. They're, they're, they're aware of the gratitude of what's really happening. You know what I'm saying? And we're not dependent on these police reports that are, you know. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it could, it could be like in the digital age that we live in, it could be simply things as posting to a Facebook group or Facebook page. We live in such an age where everybody has a phone. So I feel like that right away gives everybody a platform and voice, you know, kind of a vent 
their emotions and put these subjects on the mm-hmm. forefront. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Because again, um, it, you gotta you gotta raise the public conscience. Cause you gotta mm-hmm. we live in a poverty. People working, they don't know what's going on. I'm over here in Roxbury. You over here in Dorchester. Uh-huh. You know, there's it, a lot going on that folks don't have time for time. But now everybody's on Facebook every day. They're reminded that this city is at war, right? And that cool. and everyone's crying. We need to do something about this. So this, there's a movement being built all because of this, this education, right? Yeah. And just like you said, once you created that urgency, now you need to tell people, I know you feel this anger and stuff. Now, how do you, then they say, what can we do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And you have to be ready to tell them, here's some positive avenues for you to really make change on these issues. Uh, yes, again, yeah, so yeah. Man, I could listen to you guys all day. Let me get to this next question. I kind of want to ask you, you were telling me a little bit earlier before the phone call, you have a project that you're working on in West Africa. Can you tell the audience about that? Because I feel like that's very major. <laughs> yes, and it all ties back. So due to um, lack of opportunity in some of our communities, so my family comes from a set of islands um, on the west coast of Africa called Cape Verde. And... Right now, there's a high concentration of Cape Verdeans in New England. A lot of them are having access, um, a hard time integrating into society and get jobs and so on and so forth. So they get into trouble and they get sent back to West Africa. <laughs> Again, left with no opportunity. Uh, there's also a huge pool of young people who are already on the island who are, again, out of school, out of work, not being served. So I'm going to launch an initiative to, again, serve those young people and empower them through education, through employment, through entrepreneurship, uh, and through culture, too, because that's important. That identity, that culture um, is key, again, so that these young people are not left by the wayside and the potential goes away, and so that they can be a healthy society, because when young people are left with an opportunity, they turn to, you know, drugs, violence, things like that, and it has an impact on a larger community. So if we don't intervene now, things can get really serious. So that's where we're at right now. Uh-huh. And I would say I uh, respect that you honed in on your roots and uh, you know, not only you working in your community, you're going back even deeper and going back for where your family's community's at, you know, and uh, really educating and building those resources there. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's a, it's a foundation, if you don't, like identity is key, you know what I mean? And unfortunately, a lot of, some of us are able to trace our roots back and some of us are not. Some of us have been ripped apart from our cultures, depending on when we arrived here. Um, cause my family came kind of early, so they kind of were shifted their cultures. So I've been on a mission since I was younger to sort of restore that piece mm. of, you know, my family, my, my, my legacy, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I like the whole idea of foundations and roots. I mean, like the old parable goes, and like I see in front of me outside this window, they're building a building, and when you go build a building, you don't just start on ground level and start building it up. You go down to the foundation, you go 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 feet underneath, you dig down, make the foundation, and then build the strong building. So when the storms arrive, you know, it's a strong building, and they know how to, like, get through it. Anyways, I mean, like I said... Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. But like I said, I could hear listen to you guys talk all day. We have some very powerful ideas. And I'm, I just think that going forward with them is the key. Branching out and hearing other perspectives and information is very important 
to the youth and to everybody listening. But I kind of want to, uh, as we're closing, I kind of want to know where they could find your information, LaShawn. Where can they find anything about you and stay updated with the work that you uh, do? Yeah, so if you want to follow me personally, which would be super cool, you can look me up on Facebook, LaShawn Amato, L-A-S-H-O-N, A-M-A-D as in dog O. But you can find more about Opportunity Youth United at oyunited.org. Um, and you can also sign up to become a member. We need, we need more people. Yeah. <laughs> um, join the movement. Uh, but those are the two avenues that you can find me. And I look forward to following up with any and everyone that reaches out. Mm-hmm. Join the movement, y'all. And Israel, what can they find information about the Opportunity Youth Initiative? They can find us on our Facebook page at OY Denver. Or on our Instagram, OY Denver team. And you guys can always find my information on www.itsmesimba.com. I kind of want to close with this last thought. Do you guys have anything to say to the audience on the topic of public speaking? Israel, we'll start out with you. Go to LaShawn and end with me. I would say just find what you're passionate about. Learn as much as you can. Keep that passion. And don't be as scared to talk about it and when you touch that stage, know that platform's yours. Yeah, all I can simply say is just on the stage, you're that expert. <laughs> uh-huh. No one knows better. Yeah, definitely. Public speaking, you guys, is a very important key. It's a tool that you can use to touch many people, many hearts, many minds. So, I mean, get to it. All right, you guys, this has been the podcast. As always, share it around. Thank you guys for listening. And this has been... Hashtag Voice of the City. city.